0: Welcome back everybody into Bill's chat on the built in Buffalo YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate you all hanging out with us on this Friday night with me as always is Luca. Luca, how's it going on this Friday evening? Uh, it's going good. Got a chaotic Sabres game going on right now. Uh, it's going to be
1: probably driving a little bit of my attention. Although the start of this episode, I'm sure will take my attention away from the game, which we will get into in a second. But, um, it's a. I'm glad the weekend's here. I'm excited that you know the Sabers aren't laying an egg for once. And uh, I will. I'll cut it short this time. I'm not going to ramble anymore because we have a special guest or a regular face to this program uh,
0: that you need to introduce yourself. Special guest indeed, Stokes. If you are familiar with our Quick Hits series on Built in Buff Buffalo YouTube, he is my often co-host on those shows. Stokes, th- thanks for hanging out with us tonight.
2: Hey, I'm glad to be here. I love it.
0: Well, guys, what do you want to talk about? Anything going on with the bills? Any, any rumors out there that could get the conversation started? I think I heard something about a, um, a nuke, a nuke coming for the bills. Um, all right, folks, we've been living the life with you these last few days. We have been refreshing Twitter nonstop. We understand it. Look, it's Friday night. You've made it to your weekend. You have earned this time to relax. Give your fingers a break from refreshing Twitter. I promise you we have our ears to the ground, our eyes on Twitter. Just relax, take in the content, and if anything breaks during this show, I promise you we will let you know all about it. And we obviously have to start off with the topic of the day or the topic of the week, and it's the Bills' reported interest in DeAndre Hopkins, the superstar wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals who has been on the trade block this offseason. And what a wild week this has been. It's been a week of, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is following Josh Allen on Instagram, and Josh Allen followed him back, and DeAndre Hopkins posted a story of I'm a Buffalo Soldier, the Bob Marley song. And then it started gaining traction on Thursday when NFL insiders like Aaron Wilson did confirm that the Bills were in on DeAndre Hopkins. Here is what we know as of Friday night. We know that according to Aaron Wilson, the Bills have checked in on DeAndre Hopkins, putting the pieces of the puzzle together, going by what we've seen the national reporters say, going by what we are hearing here and there. um, It sounds to me like the Bills were maybe not so interested when the price for DeAndre Hopkins was reportedly a two and a starter. I think that was a non-starter for a lot of teams. When the price went down after the Brandon cooks trade last weekend, I think the bills and a number of other teams checked back in right now. If you believe, if you believe you should believe what Aaron Wilson says, he's one of the best in the business on Thursday. He said there were five teams in the running for DeAndre Hopkins, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Patriots, The Bills and the Falcons. As of today, the Bills and the Chiefs are rumored to be the front runner, according to Aaron Wilson, who spoke on WGR. So it is fluid. So we have pretty good knowledge that the Chiefs, while they are interested, have made an offer for DeAndre Hopkins, but the Chiefs are only interested if. He is willing to reduce his cap hit. We have talked to somebody on the chief side of things, not with the team, but somebody who covers the team. We feel pretty good about that. And right now, that is a non-starter for DeAndre Hopkins. So it sounds like, guys, the Bills are in the lead for this. I've laid it out. If you haven't been following along, we all kind of, if you're here with us, probably know what's going on. Stokes, you are the special guest tonight. Just right off the bat, what what is this Hopkins rumor, Hopkins idea? What does it do for you as a Bills fan and what you think this team needs?
2: Um, I think that it would be a fantastic addition. Anytime you add a player of that caliber to a team like this, it is m- very much welcome. And I think that it would take a lot of the pressure off of Gabe Davis. And I feel like um, it... In in a vacuum, it, it may seem like it's taking targets away from Stefan Diggs, but I, I feel like it would add to the potency of the offense if um if Nuke Hopkins is on the team, because you, you can't always bracket um Stephon Stefan Diggs. And you can put Nuke in the slot on the on the edge, and I feel like that would very much make the offense better and and allow us to be a lot more multifaceted, especially with all the other weapons.
0: Luca, that's a good point, because I feel like one of the thoughts people have been saying about Hopkins is, hey, why not include Gabe Davis in a trade for him? And while I understand that DeAndre Hopkins is certainly an upgrade over what we have seen from Gabe Davis, the idea for me is to add to this mix. The idea for me is to mirror what the Bengals have, which is a strong one, a strong two and a strong three. So with that being said, even though we aren't necessarily satisfied with where Gabe Davis is at as a high end number two at this point in his career, I don't have a lot of interest in shipping him out in this deal. Do you? No, I think
1: the way you just phrased that is perfectly. It's an addition. You're changing the room, changing people's position within that position group by adding an elite wide receiver. One B we'll call it just because one, a would be digs in that scenario. But honestly, you could flip flop them and it really is not much of a difference in my opinion, and probably many others. Um, You're just trying to change the face and create mismatches and problems that, not many other teams have the luxury for and by shipping a Gabe Davis you lose that kind of I'm trying to think of how I want to word this you lose that kind of unexpected surprise even though he's shown that he can pop off at any given time you lose that unexpected surprise of the third option after you're taking all the attention to digs and Hopkins that is Gabe Davis and his ceiling which is a very high ceiling it's just unfortunate how inconsistent he's been to achieve that kind of production. So I'm not exactly interested in it as well. Um, if it's look, if the trade has to involve him or else it's not going to happen, I would then probably go, okay, you can have Gabe Davis, but I don't think that's the kind of end all be all of that trade either. So no, in all reality, I'm not interested in shipping Gabe Davis. That just doesn't seem like the perfect way to get this done. There has to be another way to do it. Um, it's not, we're not trying to change and then get older and then worry about the future even more so because Gabe Davis still is young, still has a lot of years in him that moving him for Deandre Hopkins would kind of open up a little bit of concern down the road there, um, where you don't quite have that at this moment in time.
0: I love the way that look, just reading it on the screen, what Alicia wrote there, D hop digs and Allen. doesn't it just sound chef's kiss. Perfect guys. We've been burned before. We've all been part of these Twitter rumors where it's like, Oh my God, Zach Ertz is about to be a Buffalo bill. And then guess what? Zach Ertz was never a Buffalo bill. JJ watt is about to be a Buffalo bill. Actually now that I'm thinking of it, it feels like the Cardinals continue to swoop in and take these guys. At least we don't have to worry about that in this case. Stokes, in your opinion, does this feel like one of those, hey, this was fun to talk about, but it's probably going to fizzle out and it's never going to be something that amounts to? Or do you think there's real legs here and this is something that we
2: should potentially be bracing for? I think that this is one of those where there's smoke, there's fire types of situations Um, because I- – there's been a lot more movement, it seems at least, in in the way the NFL is going with their star players. There's a lot more people trading their star players and especially with the wide receivers. Um, like with I, I feel like the the Cardinals are probably transitioning into something that isn't going to fit the time frame that Nuke is looking for to be as successful as he wants to be. Um, he's been on a team with a great quarterback. Um I mean, Deshaun Watson, with whatever goes along with that. Um, and it, it, it just seemed like him and uh, Kyler Murray, for whatever whatever situations there were, they weren't on the same page as consistently as um, it it seemed in the past. And I feel like he, if he wants to win big, like coming to the Bills would be the proper decision for him. And given his age, uh, he's done as, as much as you can think you want to do as a wide receiver except get to the Super Bowl and win and coming to a team like the Bills if he has any say of course it's it's not always up to him um, it, it, this would be the opportunity for more going to the Chiefs I mean the, either either of those options would probably be if, if it was given to him that's what he'd want to do at least I think
0: so what you just brought up is really important. He does not technically have a no trade clause anymore. He forfeited that from his contract when he was suspended for PEDs last season. But to Stokes's point, DeAndre Hopkins still has some say here because it's not just about the no trade clause. It's about the fact that he has a contract that is not overly appealing to a team that's trading for him. And his willingness or unwillingness to rework that deal could impact how much return a team is willing to give up. For example, if he wanted to go to a Bills or a Chiefs, a team with a great quarterback and opening a wide receiver, he might tell his agent to say, yes, I'm more willing to work with them to adjust the numbers in that contract to better fit under the structure of their salary cap versus a team like, say, the Falcons, who we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They do have two very high-end weapons on that team that might take targets away from him. He might say, no, if you trade me to the Falcons, I'm not working with them at all. And also there is the fact of there's the Antonio Brown risk here too. Not from the off the field stuff. That's not what I mean. But from the standpoint of a team doesn't want to trade for a superstar, a big needle moving move like this and have that player not want to go report to your team. It's embarrassing for your organization. So they're going to want to check and make sure that he wants to come here before they, before they pull the trigger on a move like this, because it is embarrassing for the team and the fans when they get excited about a player. And then he's like, no, I don't want to go there. The bills are certainly not in that position as a team. They are one of the headline teams in the league, but Luca looking at the teams that seem to be in on Hopkins, I think the bills and chiefs, that's a whole different conversation. Let's talk about them next. Next. Looking at the five teams I, I mentioned pri- previously, the Ravens, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Bills, I always forget. Oh, the, the Patriots. To me, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, I don't see any reason why you'd even want to go to one of the other four teams. Yeah,
1: I, I've perfectly said, I, I mean, man, Josh, you're on point tonight. Um <laughs> Feels good. The the bills are just, I mean, and the chiefs as well, but the chiefs, obviously we discussed and you've pointed out multiple times. They, they kind of are, they're just kind of staying in the area. They're almost behind the fence, just monitoring the situation. It doesn't seem like they're being, they want him of course. And you, you like the idea of adding a De'Andre Hopkins with Patrick Mahomes, of course, but the bills are in a much better position than they are to take on deandre hopkins and you have a guy that is one of the few you can put into maybe the same stratosphere talent wise as patrick mahomes of course so it just makes more sense because then from there there's a clear step down to everyone else in that list if not multiple steps down to everyone on that list i mean right now the raiders at quarterback are not looking great jimmy g is your answer at now but if I'm I'm not a Jimmy G guy. I'll I'll just be honest. I, I think Jimmy G was a product of Kyle Shanahan and nothing more. Um obviously we'll see what happens. He is reuniting with someone that is also familiar with him, so maybe it works, but the Raiders aren't really entertaining to me. The Ravens. You have everything with Lamar. So who knows what's going to happen there? If DeAndre Hopkins ends up going to the Ravens and then the next day they just go, hey, Lamar, we can't afford you. And someone submits an offer sheet and it just is what it is. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be a happy camper whatsoever because what Huntley's going to be your guy, maybe like not, not good, not good. Um, And then everyone else on that list, I just, I, Atlanta, I don't understand Atlanta at Mm, all. Patriots. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Patriots. I mean, sure. Mac Jones is young, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily that good and they don't really know how to throw the ball forward. It seems like at times. So uh, jury's still out on that one. It's just the bills and then everyone else. It seems like other than the chiefs, but like we keep saying, the chiefs are behind the fence. They're not really, they're not they're entertaining the idea but they need a lot of things to go their way in order to make it happen and it just doesn't seem like it's going to unless literally every other option is just not possible for deandre hopkins and then he has to. it's weird to say the chiefs are kind of a fallback but that's kind of what it feels like a little bit so the bills are in a great great position right now to make something happen and make deandre hopkins happy and of course make all of us very happy so i just don't I don't really view any of these other teams as a serious threat.
0: Miguel brings up an interesting point too, because there have been conflicting reports on this Albert Breer, who as is as connected as it gets in the Boston market, Boston market, I just said a Mm. restaurant, the Boston sports market um, has reported that he cannot find anybody in that building in new England that thinks that bill Belichick would be on board with adding Deandre Hopkins. So Um, I know that Aaron Wilson mentioned them on the outside. It doesn't seem like that is necessarily imminent. Stokes, I do want to talk about the Chiefs aspect here, though, because I do think for all of the conversation about, oh, well, the Bills are a tier above those other teams. We have to be willing to accept the fact that the Chiefs right now outrank the Bills. If you're a player like DeAndre Hopkins, if everything is equal, they do have one of the best play callers in the sport in Andy Reid, who has shown he can feature a player like Juju Smith-Schuster and Jarek McKinnon, guys that were cast-offs from other teams and make them effective players. What could he do with DeAndre Hopkins? They do, I think, inarguably have the best quarterback in the sport right now in Patrick Mahomes. That's another leg up. So, but the fact that they're not willing to meet him on his financial demands is working in favor of the Bills. So my question to you, Stokes, is this. If it is a two-horse race, and it's really which team is going to flinch, which team is going to kind of overextend themselves and get into that uncomfortable level of what they give up, either financially or trade compensation-wise, I feel like that would be the Bills, and I feel like that's because they have desperation on their side or working against them in this matter, because they have not achieved that goal of winning the Super Bowl. The Chiefs have done it twice now with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and there's an old saying that the wolf climbing the mountain is hungrier than the wolf that's already on top. Can you see what I'm seeing where if it does come down to which team blinks that it would be Brandon Mean? Uh
2: 100%. I could see a, a scenario where the Cardinals GM is like, "Hey, you know, if you don't jump on this third round pick, um I've got the Chiefs ready to give up this fourth and whatever um to get this player." And I I could also see the Chiefs um if it ended up being the same types of com- compensation saying well, you know what? They can have the player because you know we'll just take so and so off the street and and do what we did last year and continue to be great because we have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I feel like the Bills are still we're still trying we're still trying to knock out this this giant that the Chiefs are, and I think that we or they or the Bills would um, end up. Um, pushing pushing their chips to the middle if they had to to get New Hopkins if if that's what they're really trying to decide upon um, because we we still have to catch the Chiefs and and that's and that's should be their sole well I don't want to say their sole modus operandi but like that's that's the biggest that's the biggest bully on the block and we have to knock them out. I hate when Stokes uses big words. I feel like I need to Google it at mid show and make
0: sure I know what he means. But Stokes is smart. I'm going to trust that he used it correctly. It sounded right. It sounded smart. All right. So we know that the Bills, we think we know the Bills are in this, but should they be in this? Is this the best idea for the Bills right now? Because as great as it sounds on paper to add DeAndre Hopkins to the mix, there is some risk here. He is an older player, he's over 30 years old. Do you want to? eight-figure APY wide receivers on your roster who are over 30 years old. There are other ideas out there for younger players. You could trade for a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton. Who knows what's going on with Rashad Bateman in Baltimore? The Bills are sitting in kind of a sweet spot in the draft where a lot of experts think it makes sense to really start that wide receiver run because there's not that top-flight, high-level, top-10 wide receiver pick in this draft. So they do have options outside of this. Luca, I'll start with you. Is the Hopkins idea right now your favorite idea for the Bills? Um I
1: guess there's a asterisk with it to me. Um I will say when it comes to the overall goal for this team and hopefully that is to one, finish the season better than where they did last year, and two, hopefully finish that by, you know, getting to where we hope that team could get last season this season, upcoming season, and that is of course a Super Bowl appearance at minimum and then maybe even get across the line and win a championship. Yes. I think this is kind of the move to me that it is like, it's essentially pushing your entire stack to the middle to me, because if you make this move, what I will say is it does probably take uh, the idea of drafting high end talent in the draft when it comes to offensive playmakers kind of puts that on the back burner to me a little bit. And I'm sure with a lot of others, And when you do that, you're probably then going to use a lot of those picks, if not all your picks, to fill the holes and voids that are on defense that we clearly know about and stuff like that. And that is a win now. Here it is. This is everything we got. This is what we're doing. We're investing the now into our offense, and we'll worry about the later, you know, when it comes kind of situation. And I'm okay with that because I feel like this team is in a position that if as long as you bolster your offense for immediate returns now, I think you can reap the benefits from that and reap the rewards of it right now and maybe get to those goals that you hope you do have. On the other side of things, if you really want to keep one eye on the future, it's a high risk move because you're going to close yourself off from anything when it comes to your future assets in the sense of this year's draft with immediate eye on the future now. So you're basically delaying everything, at least a season when it comes to that future kind of eye and I'm not one that cares about that too, too much. So overall, I'm all in favor of pushing your chips in Win now, you know, the event, it's just make it happen. This is it's, it's done and over with trying to kind of balance the future. And now this team needs to push their chips in a little bit. They need to be more aggressive. And this is a move that does everything for that. And I'm all, Oh my goodness, Josh,
0: Christopher, I had to put that up there for you.
1: Yeah, thank you <clears throat> so much. Um and and just make it happen. Like this is I'm on the side of doing this. Let me just finish that point then and there. Like I am absolutely on the side of being aggressive, pushing your chips into the middle and just investing everything in immediate returns on this offense.
0: Make it happen. It's interesting because the window for the Bills, you you don't want to sacrifice your future just to go all in on the present and wind up like the Rams. But the window for the bills really is until Josh Allen leaves. Is that 10 years from now? Is that five years from now? Nobody knows what you don't want to do is 15 years from now. Look back on the career of Josh Allen. When you had this hall of fame talent at quarterback, all pro level quarterback and think we weren't quite aggressive enough to go for it when we had him. And who knows when we'll see it again. Stokes, same
2: question I asked Luca, is this your favorite idea available to the bills? um i would say yes uh, because at at the basis of levels nuke will um, solidify that the ball's in the air if he's near it he's going to catch it type of thing like when you have Gabe Davis um, like we, we we could if there's a sideline catch you're like oh well i, I think he's going to make that he's going to get his toes down and and that's going to be great but if it's in-route post route you can see him dropping that when it comes to new, that is not something that you would think that you would see. If it's going to hit his hands, he's more more than often better catch that ball. And I feel like that would be a great um, thing for one, the consistency of Josh Allen and to the consistency of the offense as a whole, because it's, it's, we don't deal with those situations where it's second and 10, the wide receivers got an open pass and now it's third and 10 because he dropped it. And that, that type of thing. And, um, I, I think with other wide receivers, whether it's um Sutton or Judy or any of the other guys, they could be just as um, consistent or uh, along those lines. But I think that as far as high end, um, I mean, why not go for the the best guy available if if that's a viable option? Okay,
0: is that is that true?
1: Yeah, um, sorry. I put that in there because I just saw it on my phone real quick here. Uh, just not to break up the conversation, but a Tiffany Blackman, a verified account here, uh, has a source told me that Clays Campbell's visit with the Falcons on Wednesday went really well. Also met with the Jags last week and has visits coming up with the Jets and
0: Bills later. All right. <laughs> Bryson I apologize sir I thought you were meaning a draft visit so I just I thought Jack Campbell so I was I was just like hey we're not talking about the draft tonight I'll let it go thank you Bryson thank you Luca okay that's cool Calais Campbell would be a cool addition we're not going to talk too much about that tonight I've always been a big Calais Campbell fan and I think he could still bring a lot of impact to this defensive line I do think they need to add another veteran piece there so that's something interesting to keep an eye on yes all right (laughs) Let's talk about, oh, I guess while we kind of hit pause here, first of all, for those of you watching, wherever you're watching, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, we really appreciate you. But particularly for those of you on YouTube, if you could take a moment here to please hit like and subscribe to Built-in Buffalo, we would really appreciate it. It helps us out so much with these live videos. It helps us out so much with the recorded videos that Stokes and I work on. We're trying our best to build up Built-in Buffalo on YouTube to make it a one-stop shop destination for you to get all your Buffalo bills and buffalo sabers content luca so uh that would really help us out we'd really appreciate it stefan Diggs, let's talk about him for a second luca because this has been an interesting off season for the bills wide receiver one there's a lot of speculation is he unhappy cryptic tweets yada 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 let's just go by what we know he said in an interview on it's the shop where i believe was the show he was on the shop he'd said verbatim <laughs> get that Stokes verbatim how about me your boy with a hey. big word um he said that one of the reasons he got disgruntled in Minnesota was the the fact that it was almost like he was 1b to Adam Thielen's 1a now I think you can take that a lot of different ways um Stefan Diggs is the kind of player that I think thinks that him having the ball in his hands is the team's best path to victory so it doesn't necessarily have to be From a selfish point of view, it could still be from that competitive, I want to win. I just think this is the best way to win. Luca, do you have any concerns about if the Bills bring in a premier wide receiver like a DeAndre Hopkins about Stefan Diggs signing off on it? Or would you worry about ego is a bad word, but it's the one I'm going to use. Would you worry about the ego there? Um,
1: No, 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 no. I think,
0: um, Success on the field,
1: understanding what can get you over the line and find you more success. And then on top of it, I feel like wide receivers especially understand that you need talent opposite of you in order to benefit yourself. And this is something that checks every box when it comes to both those things I just listed and then every all the concerns that Diggs seemed to have and how something needed to change. He didn't know what exactly needed to change, but he's frustrated with what's happening and everything like that. This would be a move that absolutely shows that they listened to him among others as well and understood it themselves and did something about it. Like this, bringing in DeAndre Hopkins I think completely changes the vibe and everything. Diggs does moving forward. I I, I think cryptic te- tweets would be gone. I think there would be just this unbelievable joy out of Diggs. I I want the trade to happen, of course, for many reasons. But yet another thing I know everyone's going to be paying attention to is Diggs's reaction. And I expect in no time after it's official for something big to come from Diggs and it to be very positive because. I think Diggs is smart enough also as we just, or as I just mentioned is he understands if you have Deandre Hopkins, hopefully wearing just for my selfish reasons, number six, but having number six on the other side of him, drawing equal attention as him, this is going to probably leave Diggs a lot more open than usual and have a lot more opportunity there in front of him to make big impact plays rather than seeing double every single snap. And it's just, he, it makes his life a living hell. He understands that you cannot just double him every snap and leave DeAndre Hopkins open because D Hop's probably going to have 14, 15 catches on you for 130 yards, like he had at times in Arizona when these teams, for whatever reason, would do that, even as D Hop was only running a three route route tree in Arizona, which is a whole nother discussion. That's not D Hop's fault. But um, it's it's just like you you have to bring attention to D hop, which minimizes the attention to digs, and next thing you know, defenses are just in a in a unbelievable problem, and you are reaping all the benefits of it. Like digs, I don't have any doubt in my mind in his ego being a problem, in like there being. Uh, target issues and any of these things that people seem to be or think that would be there. I think Diggs is someone that just wants to win and will do or accept whatever it is to make this team better, to get over the line because that's ultimately what he wants. And this is clearly a move that would help that.
2: What do you think Stokes? Uh, I think this would be an ultimate game recognized game situation uh, because in that Cardinals game where they last shared the field, Prior to um, Nukes' big catch, Diggs made a really big catch to seemingly win that game. So I think having the opportunity to share the field with the guy that broke his heart in return, I feel like he would be very much in favor of that. And I feel like it it would amp up the both of them to see what they can do to outdo one another on the field as far as um, making better catches or whatever the case is. I feel like having the opportunity to play on the same squad would be, would be great.
0: Well, there has been no DeAndre Hopkins trade so far. I've been checking <laughs> Twitter nonstop. Uh, we are about 30 minutes into this show now, and we do have other things to talk about that don't involve DeAndre Hopkins so long as Brandon Bean doesn't surprise us all with a trade mid show, which we would totally be open to. He's uh, watching. But
2: he's he's, he's gonna time it uh, out. Hey
0: Brandon, just go ahead and get it done. <laughs> call me. Call me. I'll help I'll help you sort out all the details. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, if you if you're just now tuning in, you know, we think that the bills are very much in this, we think it'll very much help the bills, and I think this is not one of those like internet-driven rumors. I think there is some legs here. And there's some reason to be refreshing Twitter nonstop. Just not right now. Just watch our show and relax. But let's transition, guys, to the other reason why we're doing this roundtable tonight is we want to go through the Bills roster really in this post-free agency mindset. There still is the second and third waves coming up. But the major dollars of free agency have been spent at this point. And let's just zoom out and take a look at this roster and still go position by position in where we think the Bills need to address. And let's start with the position we've been talking about for the first 30 minutes on this show, wide receiver. I'll start with you, Stokes. Regardless of, I guess not regardless, right now they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. So the, the current wide receiver group for the Bills is Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and then they have Khalil Shakir going into his second year. They've brought in Deontay Hardy on a two-year deal that can essentially be a one-year deal, and they brought in Trent Shurfield from the Miami Dolphins. They have lost Isaiah McKenzie to the Colts. They lost Jamison Crowder to the Giants. John Brown and Cole Beasley, their contracts expired, and it doesn't appear that they're going to bring those guys back at this time. Right now, without DeAndre Hopkins on this team, Stokes, is there a name out there other than him in free agency, DJ Chark just signed with the Panthers today, that interests you? Or if the Bills aren't able to land a big fish like DeAndre Hopkins, do do they still have a screaming need there to add more talent to the room? And maybe in that case, we're talking about the draft. Uh,
2: I would say yes. I I do think that if you can't land a a big-ish fish like uh, Hopkins or even OBJ, if that's something that you're still interested in, um, I, I think that going through the draft, because you have that cost control, and you you can if you can land on a wide receiver, you can take the shots elsewhere um, in in free agency. So I I I do think that there needs to be something added to the roster. Um, and I, I think that it would be through the draft. If you're not if you're not going to go for Hopkins, I, I think that adding some someone younger um, because we, we still have a quote unquote youth problem um, at in certain spots. And I think that that would be a good idea to do.
0: Luca, if the season started and this was the bills wide receiver group, as it's presently constructed, maybe you say add a Jake Kumro or something just to round it out and give them a six, but nothing that moves the needle, a sixth special team guy. How would you feel overall about this wide receiver group? Uh,
1: I'd feel uh, decent. I'd feel good. I'd feel comfortable. Um, I'm trying to figure out a good way to say this uh, I'd feel a hell of a lot better about this wide receiver group than I did last season around this time. Um, and it's just, it's weird because it was like, we felt comfortable about this group last season this time. So I'm kind of being cautious in my optimism, but it it's, it's almost like I'm trying to second guess myself where there's no reason to do that. Uh, and it's just, I, I feel like it would finally be a, uh, a deep enough or at least a solid enough room as it is that it's like okay they can still do things um yeah I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. But then at the same time, it's like, I'm trying to be reserved at the same time. So my mind is conflicted on this whole situation because it's like, I caught myself last season being very optimistic about where it was. And now I'm just pulling myself back in because we talked about it, you know, what a month ago now, where it's like, I'm going to try to be, make, make a point of emphasis to be more reserved about my optimism with this team moving forward, Josh. And it's just like, okay, I feel okay with it. I feel okay with it. Everything's good. Nothing, no problems there whatnot it just it needs that one extra piece to make me really feel good about it that's all
0: that's where i'm at and i think if you do the whole test of you take the best guy away how does it look like you do it with tackles you take deon dawkins away and you're like Ugh. but like <laughs> you take you take stefan Diggs away from this wide receiver group this isn't a cincinnati Bengals situation where you can still roll out t higgins and tyler boyd and you feel like you can get through a few games and be just fine For this wide receiver group to work as presently constructed without another impact addition, you need a couple of things to go in your favor. One, you need Gabe Davis to bounce back from last year. And you just have to hope that the high ankle sprain injury that he suffered early in the year uh, that, that a lot of people do think lingered throughout the year was a real issue. And then his second year as a starting boundary receiver, all under the umbrella of Dorsey's second year as a play caller, there could be improvement there. Khalil Shakir going from year one to year two. You could see some improvement there. Hardy's a guy that was effective two years ago, has a pretty scary injury history, but on paper looks like he should be a significant upgrade over Isaiah McKenzie. If he can get back to full health and Trent Shurfield looks like somebody, wow, the Sabres are just killing it. Trent Shurfield looks like somebody who can help this offense in ways that just wasn't on this roster last year with some of his straight line speed um zone beating abilities and open field elusiveness. All right, so we all agree this Bills team needs some injection into this wide receiver group. Let's talk about another hot topic position on the offensive side of the football guys. Let's talk about the offensive line because I think this maybe even more so than receiver for a lot of folks was the Bills' number one need going into the off season. Um, the Bengals game just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth when the Bengals were missing three starters on their offensive line. And we all assumed the bills were going to go out there and dominate the line of scrimmage. And that game really went the direct opposite. Uh, you saw really some regression out of Spencer Brown, Deion Dawkins, I think had a good year, but by his standards, I think it was a down year. Uh, Ryan Bates was solid. Roger Saffold was, you know, an atrocious season for him, kind of a bust of a free agent signing. And then Mitch Morse is a solid center, but you're always in the back of your mind worried about like the next time he gets an injury, is it going to be that final concussion that really pushes him over the ledge? And that was a really cryptic way of putting that. Uh, really pushes him like closer to retirement because he has had that, that injury history with a uh, concussion. So what the bills have done in free agency so far is they have added a pair of offensive linemen. They added Connor McGovern on the first day of free agency from the Dallas Cowboys offensive guard. Just yesterday, they added David Edwards, a offensive lineman with a lot of starting experience for the Rams, had a down year in 2020, a lot of injuries in 20, or I'm sorry, 2022, but in 2021, he had a really nice season for the Rams. And unlike a lot of these bills, offensive lineman guys who are really good at pass protection, but can't really move the pile in run blocking his, at least PFF grades show him to be a player that is a better run blocker than pass blocker. So that's interesting. They brought back Ike Bodker on a one-year deal. They still have Mitch Morris and Greg Mance at center. How do we feel about this offensive line, Stokes? I feel like right now, if the Bills bring in a chip like DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham, I think if the Bills are going to go high in the draft on offense, right tackle is starting to feel like a position that could get a lot of attention.
2: Uh, I 100% agree. Um I think that Spencer Brown, um, w- when he came out of draft, he he looked like a, a specimen and a guy that you think, thought could be that that type of guy that just develops into a good tackle and maybe he still can be. Um, there were times where he he looked like he fit the part and w- when he's had to fill in here and there, like as a rookie with like, okay, well maybe this guy is a, is a key piece and then he came out this year and it just wasn't that same type of thing and. Um, it it would make sense to add a, a tackle, especially um, in the first round, if if we get um, needs uh, met like at, at the wide receiver position, uh, it's especially because Spencer Brown is still young and he's he he did come from a small school, so he still could develop into this guy that can uh, take the reins from from Dion if he actually if he gets hurt, he could just be that swing tackle that goes left to right. Um, because you, you don't notice, um, like it was noticeable when we had Deion Dawkins out and we played the Jets, and our left tackle was just getting mauled all game. You didn't like Questenberry falling over four times in a Patriots? <laughs> I didn't, not, I didn't not, do it was, <laughs> for you. That okay. was not ideal. <laughs> okay.
0: I, I thought he was just trying to, you know, distract the defense or the defensive lineman by making him laugh. Um, <laughs> All right, Luca, I know we've been kind of saying this offseason that the bills are higher on Spencer Brown than maybe we are. I'm just getting the sense now that, one, there is a focus in that building to shift assets to offense. And if you do look at a DeAndre Hopkins trade, you still do have the issue of Brandon Bean having not drafted an offensive player since he drafted Josh Allen. It was Tremaine Edmonds. It was at Oliver. It was Gregory Rousseau. He did send that one first round pick for Stephon Diggs, but that was a trade. So I still, in the back of my mind, think that he's going to want to add a blue chipper somewhere. And I just don't think after adding McGovern, after what we saw out of Bates last year, and then with the signing of Edwards, that center or center guard is really in play. I Tackle makes sense to me, not only from the pushing Spencer Brown. That would be more than a push. That would be, hey, Spencer, get back in line at this point. Uh, but also protecting yourself over against... You know, what if Dawkins takes another step back this year? What happens there? You have to protect Josh Allen. He's your franchise quarterback. So you can never have enough tackles receivers. I feel really good about that. Are you with me there? Or do you you think there's still a lot of belief in Spencer Brown? That wouldn't be an area they go to. Um, I can it be both? I guess in a way, I guess it's kind
1: of both, right? I think essentially it is. The draft is starting to develop more and more like it's going to be a classic BPA situation, best player available uh, for them. And then they're just going to explore even outside what they could do with that pick, whether it's trading down for more assets or, you know, a player asset or whatever it is. And, or if they can move up a couple spots, cause there's one guy that they really liked and felt like he fell a little bit according to their board, but then there's nothing else left. Might as well go get him. I feel like we're starting to get to that point. If they have any, some, any player on the board, that's offensive. It's going to be a tackle. I'm with you when it comes to guard and center is most likely not going to be the case. I just don't see, based on the signings and everything that's currently there on the roster, why they would go and all of a sudden draft another guard in the first round with a blue chip uh, asset like that. But tackle, to me, is one that maybe they'll have one, you know, kind of highlighted on their board. Where they're going to have guys that they give their first round grade to and then they're just going to highlight tackle because they're keeping a keen eye on those guys. And if all of a sudden a run on tackles happens, however, the draft breaks down what it is, or they fall back, that's going to drive their decision-making with that first round pick, you know, say by pick 15 or whatever, whatever target line they make where they need to start really making a decision on how they're going to use that first round pick at pick 27. So, um, Yeah, I I think tackle is the one thing they have in mind when it comes to offense. I don't think it's crazy to think that they still like Spencer Brown more than what we do. And yet them still understanding that tackle is the one place that they could definitely use uh, quality youth. We'll call it a blue chip asset when it comes to youth in this lineup to see what they have due to the Dawkins situation, I think is what makes it entirely key there. Dawkins having a little bit of a down year, but it's still decent but you really don't, his, his career path is kind of in the balance right now. You don't know which direction it's going to go. So maybe you do bring in some youth just in case it falls off even more. If it comes back to his higher level of play, great. And now you have this guy who can kind of not have to be leaned on a little bit more and he can just develop under his own you know pace or whatever you want to call it, or step in even for Spencer Brown. If Spencer Brown's play falls off a little bit again, they have a lot more room there. It's, you can't have, I want being so bad to invest in a tackle with a high caliber pick. I, I'm sick of trying to like scrape the bottom of the barrel of the draft with them. Like I want, I want them to take a leap at that a little bit. Now, if they, especially if they go for Deandre Hopkins, this is me kind of th- talking with the entire idea of they're going after Deandre Hopkins. So they're trying to get, you know, win now minded assets when it comes to weapons. So with that in mind then it's like, I want them to use that first round pick with tackle kind of on their mind, on the forefront of their mind. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If there's a run on tackles and it's just not a guy they grade, don't force the issue. But that's, I hope they at least highlight those guys and really try
0: to make it work if at all possible. Luke has already bought his Hopkins jersey. He's already counting oh, on yeah. <laughs> Nuke being in town. Um, I'm with you. So we already heard from Ryan Talbot um, of New York Upstate that the Bills have kicked the tires on Brandon Shell, who was a right tackle for the Miami Dolphins last year. Not a super high-end player. Matt Perino, also from New York Upstate, was on a podcast last night, and I happened to catch it today. And he said something that sticked with me and kind of tipped the scales in favor of I think they will look at offensive tackle. He's like, I I, I want to paraphrase. I can't say what he said word for word, but it was like, yes, you can believe in Spencer Brown, but you can't let that belief be the only thing you do. You can't believe in Spencer Brown enough that that's the only thing you do to protect Josh Allen. Your belief in Spencer Brown can't outweigh the obligation you have to make sure Josh Allen is protected. And I agree with that hundred percent. You can believe in Spencer Brown. If he's everything you think he is, and you have a first round tackle on your roster, Worst thing you have there is three really good tackles on your roster. You can trade one of them if you want to. Uh, Deion Dawkins will get older at some point. You know, who knows? Maybe Spencer Brown turns out to be great. The tackle you take in the draft is great. And you can trade Deion Dawkins in a couple of years. Get some salary off your books. You have to save money somewhere. So it's never a bad thing to have good football players. I want to say hello to Dakota in chat tonight. It's a Jets fan. Obviously very happy with what's going on this off season, but we appreciate anybody that's hanging out with us tonight. So Dakota, we appreciate you making the choice to hang out with us on this <laughs> Buffalo Bills centered conversation. So I did say guys that if the bills are going to go first round pick on offense, offensive line is the position that makes the most sense, but there is one position out there that I know Luke is extra excited about. Running back. Let's talk about how the bills are currently at running back because I was over the moon this week when they went out and signed Damian Harris to a one year, $1.75 million deal. I don't even know if I would take a $1.75 million deal to play running back in the NFL. No teams clearly offering me that, but Damian Harris at 1.75 per year feels like one of the steals of free agency uh, we can talk a little bit about him here as we're kind of breaking down the overall group. But how that looks right now is we have James Cook, Damian Harris, and then Naheem Hines brought back um, on a reduced contract. I will say this. As much as I love Damian Harris, the signing, if the Bills loved B. John, B. John Robinson three days ago, four days ago, right before the signing, if he was the number 10 player on their board, if he was the best offensive playmaker on their board, signing Damian Harris to a one-year $1.75 million deal should not move them off their spot. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that the Bills should take a running back in the first round. I'm not telling you that I would take a running back if I were the Bills. I am telling you that if the Bills valued Bijan Robinson that highly, signing a veteran running back to a one year deal at basically the minimum rate is not going to change their mind. So Stokes, are you in agreement with me that if they loved him before he is still in play?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I, I don't think that, I mean, this, this doesn't give them any sort of um, inclination that Damon's going to come back next year or anything like that. And of of course, if, if they if they feel like Bijan Robinson is that best player option and he falls to wherever he needs to fall to, to where they either need to, can take him at twenty-seven or trade up or whatever that situation is, um, then yeah, because he is an electric player. However, um, I don't think that I, I think that they may uh air on the side of well we're not going to trade up for this player so if he falls he falls then we'll we'll worry about that problem when it's a problem um not that they have supreme confidence in Damian Harris being some sort of 1A or 1B type of running back but because the running back room is the running back room and it's like well how are we going to fit Bijan Robinson in, in here anyways
0: all right luca have at it. I know you hate the idea, but remember, this is not a conversation about if Josh, Luca, and Stokes would take a running back in round one. I would. This is this, – uh, at 27, this is not a draft show. At 27, if Bijan John Robinson is sitting there, I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's going to go before that. I, yeah. <laughs> you want to fix your offense. You talk about this window of Josh Allen only being here for maybe five or 10 more years. And the next five years, I have Bijan Robinson there on a discount deal. And you're like, well, six years from now, you may not want to pay him very much. Great. I'll figure that out in six years. Go ahead, Luca. I know it's your favorite topic.
1: Uh, Bijan Robinson, and I'm not going to be able to avoid this. We talked about it in the last podcast this past Monday. We're talking about it here again. And I know I'm not going to escape this conversation until the draft is over and we know where he has gone and what the bills have done. I want to break this into two parts real quick, as you have just brought up. One, if Bijan Robinson is there at 27, I am not totally against the idea of it. I say totally against it because look, is it necessarily what we don't know how the rest of the board even looks there. It's, it's absolutely a player that could come in, make an impact on any team, let alone the bills and do something great potentially for this team. Yes. Damien Harris signing does not move that out of the house kind of deal. Like it is still something very, very, very much alive with all of that said. I would like them to look elsewhere and there is no chance and I have been on the record to say I will probably do something ridiculous if the bills get Bijan Robinson but I do not see a world at all that Bijan Robinson even makes it out of the top 20. Yeah. So therefore I will not entertain the idea of Bijan Robinson. I will not fall into the trap of wanting Bijan Robinson and I respect all of you out there that love bijon robinson and everything it's awesome for all of you do not fall in love with a guy that you will have no ability to do, go up and get unless you basically sell the draft house to do so and i am not if you bean has shown nothing to me that shows me he's going to absolutely just open the wallet and just be like, you know what? We're going to trade to pick 16 here because we want Bijan Robinson. Here's a third. Here's a fifth. Here's a sixth. Here I you mean, you trade
0: up for Cody Ford. Um, <laughs> <good luck. laughs> We're what not- do you anything past bean
1: <laughs> <laughs> We are not doing that. I have never seen anything that tells me they are going to do that. And I will not entertain this idea. And I know I'm going to be saying this time and time again until the draft is over with. I cannot stand this conversation, but I will happily repeat myself, even though I hate doing so, every single show to tell you all, stop entertaining this idea. If it happens at pick 27, awesome. Don't think it's happening in any other scenario, and that feels like a one in a million. So I am not going to entertain that idea and love of Bijan being on the Bills. Thank you very much.
0: What a wet blanket you are. I mean, we're just sitting here March 24th trying to dream about an offense with DeAndre Hopkins and Bijan Robinson. And you're just like, well, I mean, guys, he's not even going to fall out of the teams. He's probably not. I agree with you. Uh, but you never know how the draft's going to go, like Chris Christopher says. And, uh, DF forever says Luca is right. But, you know, we got sidetracked a little bit on Bijan Robinson. For those of you out there, I promise you, whether it's me and Luca, Luca on Bills chat, whether it's me and Stokes on Quick Hits, we will have you covered with draft coverage, all these prospects that we think the Bills should take, not only in round one, but rounds one through seven. We have you covered in April, all on Built in Buffalo YouTube. But right now, we're really just taking a look specifically at the Bills roster. We did get sidetracked with Bijan Robinson, but we're not going to talk too, too much about prospects tonight. This running back group as a whole, though, Stokes, you have Damian Harris now there with James Cook and Naheem Hines. If it's not a generational prospect that falls to them in round one, do you see the Bills have any kind of need now to be aggressive with that fourth running back that we know they will eventually
2: add? Um, I don't think so. I, I think that they'll they'll look at it like they looked at with with Taiwan Jones, a guy that can come in and be on, on special teams um because they had they they know that Damian Harris has the ability to uh be a lead back on an offense and they know that they can hopefully um depend on Naeem Hines to do more than he did last year because I mean I I did, I didn't understand the usage of Naeem Hines after they traded for him like well what just going to have as a kick returner I, I don't I don't really understand what the thought process was after the fact but um you would, you would think that with James Cook and with Damian Harris and with Hind that they, they figure, okay, unless something just falls out of the sky, we're good with the way this room looks. And a late round um, pick on running back, and sometimes you know, when you have those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks turn into uh, like lead back, like Isaiah Pacheco, like, you, you you don't expect these guys to turn into something that they, that is a lead back, and they do. Um, so that'd be what what I expect. That they're comfortable with the room until. Um, they take a, a flyer on a, on a um, running back in the draft.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sharing the same brain with you. And I like a lot of what Damian Harris brings. I think the Bills needed to add a between the tackles running back. And when you look at some of his stats, particularly in 2021, 2022 was a down year for him. He suffered injuries. Um, He Ramondre Stevenson turned into a star and all of that worked against him being on the field in 2022. But you look at some of his between the tackles numbers. He is a significant upgrade over Devin Singletary on runs between the tackles in 2021. Uh, he averaged 4.7 yards per carry. You compare that to Devin Singletary. It was 4.1. So that's what the bills need. I think player for player Devin Singletary and Damian Harris. I, I think they're both pretty good. I think for what the bills needed, Damian Harris is much more in that bucket of what the Bills need, and I think they did very well for themselves. Uh, let's round out the offense here, guys. Let's talk quickly about tight end. The Bills did lose Tommy Sweeney to the Giants. I don't think that's necessarily a big loss. One name I will bring up here is Bobby Hart, who isn't necessarily a tight end, but they used him a lot in that two tight end blocking set last year. We had mentioned in our pre or free agency primer that the Bills could be in on some of these blocking tight ends, but that did not come to pass, obviously. Right now, they have Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, and then Zach Davidson, who was a college quarterback. So they still haven't really checked that box of blocking tight end. Luca, I think there's a world where, and we're not going to talk about specific prospects here. I think we could get derailed here, but I think there's a world where maybe an electrifying tight end falls to them in round one, and they're tempted by it. And that would maybe have to change the way they shape their offense. Maybe it's a little bit more too tight end set, and maybe a trade for DeAndre Hopkins would push them away from that because that becomes a little bit more complicated when you have Gabe Davis, DeAndre Hopkins, and now two high-level tight ends. But I think that it's something people should at least keep in their mind that even though the Bills have Dawson Knox, that this team might possibly have the appetite to upgrade that second tight end, have another weapon there, and have some more diversity to their offense, especially if they can't get that offensive weapon they need at the wide receiver position.
1: Yeah, it's it's something to just keep in the back of your mind, right? It, as you kind of pointed out there, it's, it's not out of the realm of possible. It, it's something that they're absolutely going to do their due diligence on and always kind of keep there as an idea. Um, I do think the DeAndre Hopkins trade, if it eventually becomes finalized, um, is going to change this and most likely make it, unless some crazy thing happens that allows a guy with high cal- caliber talent just fall to them, you know, that's where they would pull the trigger. Uh, similar to a B. John Robinson situation if he were to be there at 27. So unless that scenario happens, if they acquire DeAndre Hopkins, I don't see that, you know, happening anymore. But assuming the roster is what it is at this point in time, come the draft and everything, they could definitely entertain some high end tight end talent that is there in the draft, um, just to kind of add another dynamic weapon at a different position, because it's really right now when it comes to weapon-wise, just Knox and no one else you know, adding another piece there could maybe crack open a different part of the offense that could really open things up for them. So it's absolutely something to keep in mind, but kind of the back of the mind there. It's, it's not priority one, probably not even priority two when it comes to in the forefront of their mind. So it's definitely something they are aware of and keeping tabs of, but I don't think it's exactly a primary objective of theirs to make sure they end up with something of that kind of high caliber talent to add with Knox.
0: We have a handful of friends in chat that are just asking us, what are the bills going to do at linebacker? And we hear you. (laughs) We want to please the people. We are going to get to linebacker here in a second. Let's just blow through quarterback real quick. Stokes, the bills brought in Kyle Allen. They lost case Keenum. They have Matt Barkley, Josh Allen's QB one. No need to do much there, right? Nope. Josh Allen's great. All right, let's get on to linebacker. Let's give the people what they want. Stokes. All right. Right now, the Bills lost Tremaine Edmonds. We all know he went to the Chicago Bears for a hefty price of $18.5 million per year. Very happy for Tremaine Edmonds to get that payday he very much deserves. But that leaves the Bills in a tricky spot because they have Matt Milano. And then after that, they brought back Tyrell Dodson, Tyler Maticiewicz on one-year deals. Tyrell Dodson's deal is fully guaranteed, though. That's important to keep in mind. He is probably not fighting for a roster spot. If anything, he's fighting for a starting spot. And then they have the two rookies from last year, Terrell Bernard, third-round linebacker, Balen Spector, the seventh-round linebacker. Luca, we went round and round on the last episode here um, about, you know, this is, a, this is a hole right now, that linebacker spot next to Matt Milano. There really is no incumbent starter that you feel great about on this roster. When you look at free agency, a lot of the names that were out there have gone elsewhere. Bobby O'Carrique, Drew Tranquil, uh, they, we thought maybe the Bills were in on Levante David. A lot of these names, okay. TJ Edwards, went for name went went for prices that weren't necessarily as expensive as we thought. The one name that's still out there is Bobby Wagner. So I guess I'll start with with that. I don't get the sense that the Bills are necessarily in on Bobby Wagner. And I don't think it has much to do with Bobby Wagner, more so than I'm just kind of reading what the Bills have already done this offseason. They've watched a handful of good veteran options go off the board without really looking like they made an effort to bring one in. I think the Bills are viewing this middle linebacker situation as a spot where they can save a lot of money transferring funds from defense to offense. So with that being said, I think signing a guy like Bobby Wagner to a one-year $8 million deal would go against that long plan they had. So I am not expecting the Bills to bring in Bobby Wagner. Are you? At this point in time, no, I I am not. If, If anyone
1: is still available on the market at this point in time, I don't, it's don't believe it's due to the agent and or the player. It's due to teams just kind of feeling out what they need to do and looking forward to, okay, let's create uh initial draft plans and get a, at least an understanding of what we like, what we dislike. You're going to all these pro days and all these kinds of things so that they can kind of get up their initial draft board and then reevaluate their roster at that point in time and figure out maybe maybe they do need to sign a Bobby Wagner because they don't like the options at linebacker that could be there in round one or two, you know, whatever the situation is. I I feel like this is the point where teams are now finally making decisions that are based on draft, uh, initially, and then reevaluate the roster from there with, you know, the remains that is free agency. So at this point in time, I don't think the bills have really, uh, entertained the idea too, too much of Bobby Wagner. Uh, maybe he's just someone that they wrote on a sheet that at some point in time, if he's still available, come May, come June, we'll kick the tires on it. But other than that, maybe it's just, hey, we need to figure out our draft plan. We need to figure out what's out there when it comes to the draft at the linebacker position and where we want to spend an asset on that position, if at all. Now, that in mind, I, I'm hoping I don't necessarily need them to like first round, we need the best linebacker available and kind of go with that. But I would like to see them at least draft a linebacker in one through three and not just leave it with the in-house options. If they're not still kicking the tires on the idea of a Bobby Wagner out there, you need to do at least something. I feel like it would be, you know, as Roy Collins has said here, something went very, very wrong. If Dodson's a starter and then you're just kind of leaving it as it is. Otherwise you're leaving you're leaving that position in a very, very vulnerable position, uh, place. I don't want to say position twice there, place. So I, I don't like that idea of just kind of keeping it as is, but I also don't need them to I, I don't necessarily think Bobby Wagner has to happen or they need to draft a linebacker first round. I think there's other ways they can go about it because you can find quality, productive guys on day two of the draft. You just need to hit on it. it doesn't seem like they did so far with Terrell Bernard maybe they just take another swing in a similar position at that position. Jeez. I keep doubling up on positions here um, and figure out at least someone that you can hopefully get some quality snapped or play time out of at that inside linebacker position. That's what I hope they do. But overall, when it comes back to Bobby Wagner, yeah, I think, the, the ship has sailed at the idea that the bills are actually interested with him and they're just going to kind of evaluate a situation from a distance like every other team is doing in the league. And then if they come back around and realize that they do want to do something, they're going to come back to it. If he's still available
0: Stokes last week on our bills chat episode, I told Luca that I think that Tyrell Dodson in a lot of ways is like their Dane Jackson of linebackers where he's not flashy. Um, he doesn't necessarily pop to you as a great idea, but I think he's somebody they believe in. He's been in their system for three years They've developed him. He knows their defense. Unlike Dane Jackson, Tyrell, Tyrell Dodson actually has a lot of athleticism in his favor for, for the position. I do think right now he is their plan A at middle linebacker, even over a guy like Terrell Bernard, who they drafted last year in the draft. What is your comfort level with what they have in-house? And I guess two-part question here, how aggressive do you think the Bills need to be in acquiring a, a talent outside the building whether that is a premium draft pick or a name from a veteran free agent list
2: um I feel like if much like what you guys talked about on the podcast like if if um if Terrell Dawson is the guy that you see out there on week one you're like yeah all right we might be able to survive for a little bit with him he's not going to be the guy that's going to make a game-changing play but he's going to be there he's going to uh, frequently enough, be in position to do to make a tackle. Um, but I I I think that the Bills should use, as Lucas said, one of the top three picks on a linebacker. And what one thing that I don't want to hear after that linebacker is drafted is so and so projects to this. I don't I don't want to hear that. I want to hear hey, this guy was. The starting middle linebacker for a, so whatever squad for two to three years, he was the captain. He did this. He called the plays, all this, because what I, I don't want us to keep doing is taking projects, hoping they're going to fit some sort of window when the window is, hey, we want to win this year. We've got to do this. And I, that's why. That's what I would want out of the guy. That's I think I hope's going to call the plays or or you know make the changes at the at the in the um, second part of the defense.
0: So let's have a quick Terrell Bernard conversation. He is a hot button issue on this team because the Bills took him in the third round last year. I think that caught a lot of people off guard. He wasn't necessarily a player that the draft sites and the experts had projected going that high. At the time, it felt like a weird pick because the Bills had Tremaine Edmonds in-house. They had Matt Milano in-house. You didn't necessarily have the thought at the time that Tremaine Edmonds was going to be leaving after last year. So you thought, they must really like this kid. And, you know, the results weren't good in year one. Preseason, I know he recovered a fumble, returned it for a touchdown, as Luca likes to say. He nearly got caught from behind in embarrassing fashion on that touchdown. And then when you watched him out there, it's not like he lacks athleticism. In fact, from a lot of agility standpoints, when you look at his RAS score, a lot of his agility scores are mirror of Tremaine Edmonds. He doesn't have the freakishly athletic size. Tremaine Edmonds is kind of a unicorn in that regard. And that's why he was the 16th pick in the draft. Those guys don't grow on trees. But he looked like his head was swimming to me last year, Stokes. He looked like a guy that maybe the overwhelming situation of being the Mike linebacker on a defense where you're not only trying to understand what you're doing, but get other guys lined up and you have to understand who's doing what it looked like his eyes moved slow. And that's completely understandable for a rookie. When you have the jets throwing three different receivers on a crossing route, and then they have Michael Carter in the backfield and and they did a lot to confuse him. And he was very confused in that spot. But the fact remains that after that game, The Bills went out and picked up A.J. Klein off the street and started him with less than a week of time in the building all through the game on Thanksgiving instead of Terrell Bernard, who never saw a defensive snap the rest of the season. What is your belief that Terrell Bernard can still turn it around? Or are you kind of like me and Luca where it's like, man, I I just don't know where this is going?
2: So, I mean, the hope is that This isn't just a lost draft selection. So, I mean, the optimism in in me is like, well, maybe that's just the youth and and the fact that he was around all these really great players. And and sometimes the 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 starstruckness of the of being in the NFL can. Um, hit guys in 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 certain ways, so I maybe that was what happened, or maybe he just had a really bad game and the coaches didn't really give him the opportunity to play through that. Sometimes you have the slump and you have your coach let you play through it or sits you back, and that that could be what happened there, um, or he's he was just bad and they missed, and that th- that's something that I don't I don't think we'll we'll have an answer to after a season, and I don't think it would be fair to say you have an answer after one season um, unless you're Josh Rosen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they saw enough to say they've seen too
2: much. Thank God.
0: Sorry. All right. So <laughs> final thing on linebacker, I think it's probably the last hot button position we have. We're still going to go through the rest of the defensive side of the ball, but I think this is one people are concerned about. My opinion on linebacker is despite the fact that they've lost Jermaine Edmonds, I do not need the bills to be overly aggressive to fill that spot. They obviously have not been in free agency. I do not need them, nor do I want them to spend their first round pick on any linebacker in this draft. I want to see them spend it elsewhere. It doesn't have to be on the offensive side of the football. I would prefer it to be there, but If it is edge, if it's safety, if it I just don't think off ball linebacker is an impactful enough position that warrants spending two first round picks in a five year span, especially when you looked at your first round pick from 2018, who developed into a star at the position five years later when he'd done everything you hoped he would do. You let him walk because you didn't value him enough to pay him at the top of the market, I think best case scenario, you do the same thing. Five years from now, you're letting another first round pick go. I would rather see the bills go elsewhere. I think if you look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that have Willie Gay and um, they have Nick Bolton from Missouri, two late second round picks that really have held up very well. And that Steve Spagnolo defense linebacker in a lot of ways is like running back. You shouldn't have to overextend yourself to fill a hole. They find good linebackers at all rounds of the draft. Um, all levels of free agency, you don't need to spend premium assets to do that. And I don't think the bills are going to, so I would not be surprised on draft day. If day one goes by and we're still looking at Tyrell Bernard or excuse me, Tyrell Dodson at the number one spot on the depth chart. I, I do think to Lucas point by the time Friday night ends, there will be a new linebacker in house. I just wouldn't expect it in round number one. Okay. Let's talk about defensive line. Von Miller tore his ACL on Thanksgiving. That is the exact same timeline that Tredavious White had from 2021. And if you use that timeline, Tredavious White did not return until Thanksgiving. I think Von Miller maybe can be a little bit quicker on his timeline. But regardless, I think you have to look at this season like Von Miller is going to at least miss a month, maybe two. And that's fine. You want Von Miller to be as close to 100% and really get ramped up for this playoff run. It's not about September and October with this team. It just isn't at this point in time. But what they're left with is Gregory Rousseau, who has been very, very good. I think underratedly good because he gets mixed in, unfortunately, with a couple of other guys in the position that haven't been good. Boogie Basham and then AJ Epinesa going into the last year of his deal. Shaq Lawson is a free agent. My belief, Luca is the Bills need to find a way to add more pass rush juice to this room. They don't have a lot of flexibility with Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa. They're obviously not doing anything with Rousseau. That's why I don't necessarily think they have the appetite to bring back Shaq Lawson at this point, because as good as he was in the run game, him being an unrestricted free agent is the one position in this edge group that they can actually turn over this offseason and mix it up a little bit. And I would rather see the Bills, and I think they're on the same page, go after a Justin Houston, a Frank Clark, a Melvin Ingram, somebody that is an older player but still has that pass rush edge to them that can add to the mix, help bridge the gap until Von Miller comes back from injury, and then when Von Miller is back, improve the overall pass rush rotation that we have seen been a little bit too top heavy when Von Miller and Greg Rousseau were leading the way and the rest of the guys were just kind of out there taking up space.
1: 100%. That is what I believe the Bills are going to try to do. They they don't want to invest yet another blue chip investment on a edge rush and let them develop over time because they they have someone kind of in the waiting that is Von Miller and your pass rush will instantly you know, see a spike and just go back to being a top 10 edge rush. Once he is fully healthy, you just need something to bridge the gap that is a proven edge rush until then. And you're going to get that with a, a veteran is it's just, that's the way it is. And you're going to probably have to, you know, get a Frank Clark or someone like that to do that. And it makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't really make sense to find that in the draft. Um, you're going to want to do that with someone that is a proven commodity. You could probably get, not super cheap but also not have to have a lot invested in him in order to get that for you and just kind of again one more time bridge the gap between you know the start of the season and the point when Von comes back because then you feel very good about let's say your top 3 edge rushers in Von Miller, Greg Rousseau and whoever that third guy is now that helped you get to that point in time so That's what makes sense to me. Um, That's what makes sense to a lot of people. And I believe the bills see it that way as well. They're not trying to sit here. I will say, I believe it. I'm trying to look in the comments here. Roy Collins, our favorite guy. I love what, yeah. What I wouldn't be surprised by though, is yes, not drafting a edge rusher in the first round, but they have guys that they like on day two or are projected to be day two and then say you know, they drafted inside linebacker, they traded back, you know, similar to last season, let's say they replicate what they did last year. They trade back a couple of times. And in the second round, they fall into whatever linebacker they liked due to the board falling in a way. And then all of a sudden they still have an edge rusher that they liked that when the third round comes around, they eventually pull the trigger trading, a, you know, a fifth, a sixth, whatever you need to do to then move up and get that guy in the third round. That wouldn't surprise me because then you just know that, Uh, now and in the future, what you have with an AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham and all those guys just isn't it. So you need to try to do something else for that future outlook. And hopefully they can provide you something in a rotation right now. But that's what that pick is there for. It's so you kind of have to address two needs in two different ways. And I definitely think that that really makes sense for the bills this season.
0: Uh, Dave mentions in chat what we talked about a little bit before Calais Campbell coming in. I'm I'm just kind of looking now on PFF. It looks like he did line up the majority of the time on the interior. I mean, he has been a defensive tackle. But he's a guy you can kick outside. He's still good pass rushing. I would think that their thought for him, the way that um, the way that they operate is he'd be more of an interior rusher. I mean that's interesting. Maybe we could talk about at Oliver Trade, but um, I wouldn't think that this would necessarily be their answer to the edge rush situation. Stokes, where are you at with this edge group, and what maybe needs to be done?
2: Um, I, I feel like much much like the linebacker position, I don't feel like um, drafting a a an edge rusher and and hoping that the, that guy's going to develop is the right choice. Um, I, I think getting getting a proven commodity that knows how to get to the Quarterback is the best uh, way to do things because in reality, all we're really hoping for for this guy is to hold down the fort on that edge for two or three months while Von Miller gets down, uh, get, gets back to up to speed. Because uh, when it's the end of a game, the the two guys we want on the edge are Von Miller and Groot. So that's that's what we're hoping for at the end of every game. Um, So that's so that's what we should we should be working towards uh, as far as um, that type of uh, decision making process.
0: My friend Johnny Blaze is going through it in chat tonight, man. He is not in a good headspace when it comes to the Bills. He he has a very negative mindset. Johnny, take a deep breath. This is still one of the best teams in the NFL. The average age of this roster is not 40 years old. Relax, I promise you. It's not as bad as it seems. <laughs> Walk with me. Talk with me. It will be okay. Um, all right, let's talk about what's next on our list. Oh, defensive tackle. Speaking of Calais Campbell, Calais Campbell is scheduled to meet with the Bills Next week, along with the New York Jets, Um, Daquan Jones is here. He was excellent for the Bills last year. What a home run signing that was. He's going into the last year of his deal. I do think that the Bills will try to extend him this offseason. They can save nearly five million against the cap by giving him an extension. That just makes way too much sense for both sides there. Uh, Tim Settle still here. Brandon Bryant still here. Jordan Phillips has not been brought back as of yet. And then the big conversation on defensive tackle guys is the Ed Oliver situation. Stokes and I have actually made a video on built in Buffalo, YouTube quick hits outlining all the pros and cons of why you would trade Ed Oliver. Not much has changed. The, the factors are still there. Uh, But quickly, for those of you that aren't aware, he's on his fifth year option. That's guaranteed 10.7 against the cap. The only way to get out of that money is to extend him and kind of rip up the last year of his deal and give him a new deal or, trade him away i don't think that the bills necessarily want to extend him at this point my guess is that his opinion of where he's at in the contract extension market is a little bit different than where the bills think and you can kind of read in some of his cryptic tweets from this past week this has been a cryptic tweet kind of off season for the bills even boogie basham got into the mix yesterday um you know, I think we've talked enough about whether or not the bill should trade out Oliver. We've all at least said that it makes sense. We understand he's a good player, maybe not a great player. But if you can save $10.7 million, it makes a lot of sense for this for this team. But in general, with this group, guys, I, I still think they're in good shape if they keep Ed Oliver. Now, Daquan Jones changes the whole conversation because he is just such a good player. And he did not play in the Cincinnati game. That should not go unnoticed. I don't necessarily need them to bring back Jordan Phillips because as, as good as the good moments are, he's not an overly reliable player. He has a very injured history ever since his breakout year in 2019. But if you get closer to May and June and you just, the draft went by and nothing made sense in any of those rounds, if you want to pick up the phone and bring in Jordan Phillips on a minimum deal, sure. Why not? At that point, you have nothing to lose, but in general, Luca, I don't mind this group as it's currently built. I could use an upgrade. Truly, my favorite idea for this group is trading at Oliver, dividing those assets elsewhere, bringing in a player like Calais Campbell to fill that spot. And then taking the other six million you have that you didn't spend on at Oliver and buying other parts of this team. That That's my favorite idea. But absent that, I think I think it's fine. Yeah, I want to kind of bounce off of that exactly as you said it.
1: It's not like I'm sitting here preaching to you know from the rooftops that I absolutely need Ed Oliver off this team come the start of the season. It's not about him as a player in the sense of I'm just completely unhappy with him. He's a joke. I don't need him actually wasting time on the field for this team, get him off of this roster. It's just when you balance how much he is going to be costing the bills for what he provides you you feel like you can absolutely do better with those resources by, as you're saying, by parts with that money rather than have to use it all on this one thing. And that's the value in trading him. As you said, we've talked about it before. We can talk about it again if we really want, but I don't feel like it at this time. So it's just, I like the idea more of trading him. I'm okay if he's on this roster. I just feel like if you really want to try to improve this team as best as you can by any means necessary, one of those means. And one of those things you need to do is probably trade at Oliver to open up that $10.7 million so that you can sign a Clay's Campbell and someone else, you know, whatever you, whatever you can do with that money, there are things that can be done. $10.7 million is a substantial amount of money when it comes to the veteran free agent market at this point in time. So I just, That's where my head's at with that. I have nothing against Ed Oliver as a player. I just think there is a better way to use the money you are paying him.
0: I am looking at his snap share from last year and Stokes. He had, he had five snaps at middle linebacker Calais Campbell That sounds like something you would try to pull on me in Madden with a 6'8 guy back there at middle linebacker and see if anybody notices. I don't know how he's getting from sideline to sideline at over 300 pounds, but that seems like something you might try to pull on me. Um, I I should say I do think the Bills could probably use a backup nose tackle for Daquan Jones. It didn't look good. I still have a lot of belief in Tim settle as somebody who can kind of contribute at both spots as a backup, but maybe if they can upgrade the backup nose tackle, Puna Ford is a guy that we've heard them mentioned with. Although now that the bills are projected to get a third round compensatory pick back in 2024, I don't know if Puna Ford is still on their radar because that would probably erase that pick. And is he worth a third round pick Stokes? Where are you? I apologize. I haven't already asked you about defensive tackle, right? Okay, nope. <laughs> my my head is spinning. I want to make sure I'm not doubling down here. Where are you at with this group? And if you want to say anything, final thoughts on Ed Oliver, whatever, have at it. Floor is yours. Uh,
2: I know that uh, Johnny Blaze is very much in favor of getting older with Calais Campbell. <laughs> He's, yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I I feel like I I loved Ed Oliver coming out of the draft. I was really really um, excited about him, and I, I spent you know the better part of <laughs> four years hoping that he would be great, um, and it it just gets exacerbated with the fact that the tackle, the defensive tackles taken after him have been great. And and, I mean, it's not, it's not all his fault that that the other guys have been great. It's just that he just wasn't that. And um, I just think that I don't think that him as a player commands that type of salary. So I, I don't think it would be worth it to have that, that cost, um, attached to that player when we could probably get similar production at, at a fraction of the cost. And I, and I don't even think that, I don't think that Claes Campbell would give that type of production. He would do something different than what Ed, Oliver's, Ed, Ed Oliver would do because Claes Campbell, he would cave in some of that run defense Um that we deal with from time to time and at oliver that that wasn't always his thing he's he's trying to get up the field and rush the passer um so clay's came with that would he he would do what we want as far as uh run defense goes um but if if he was added i think that there would still need to be another guy added to the defensive tackle rotation that's going to get to the get to the passer
0: roy collins asking about puna ford um you know i i I'm not the biggest Puna Ford guy. I'm not going to pretend that I've like watched all of his tape or anything like that. I, I will say there's a lot of guys in in this space that are big fans of him. Um, so I, I think that you know that that's a move that would excite a lot of people. I think there's some data out there that maybe his best years were a couple years earlier. I don't know that he's necessarily elite, but you know he's another name to add to the mix. And if it means getting uh, Ed Oliver out of town, I'd, I'd be in favor of it. Um, You know, I want to say one last thing about Ed Oliver before we move on to cornerback. Um, Izzy, who is on Built in Buffalo on Sunday night, said something today that I think makes a lot of sense on Ed Oliver. It's. He's a good player, but when you look at the great players in this league, they don't need other great players around them to dominate. Like When you look at Christian Wilkins, who was in that draft with Ed Oliver and was a player taken after Ed Oliver at the same position, it's not like you look at him and think, oh, he needs Jalen Phillips out there to play well. No, you have to game plan for Christian Wilkins, and I think that's a great point by Izzy that it's it's good but not great. You shouldn't have to be in a situation where Groot and – Von Miller are both on the field playing at a high level for Ed Oliver to get one-on-one blocks and do well to justify him being a good player. Great players find a way to be game planned for and take over games and be that person that impacts everybody else around him. And that's really what he hasn't been. And I thought that was well said. Cornerback to me, guys, I think is a position a lot like, Uh, offensive guard at this point. I think it's a lot like quarterback. I think the bills are really set up pretty well with what they have. They brought back Dane Jackson on a one-year deal. They have Christian Benford and Kier Elam going into their second year. They both had flashes last year. Tredavious White is another year removed from his ACL injury. Uh, Taron Johnson is obviously very steady in the slot. They brought back Cam Lewis, who I think is going to kind of go to Nickelback, but also safety and be a special teams ace. I think he's going to be a very valuable depth piece for this team. And then Saran Neal's there to cover kicks and pretend like he has a defensive position. So overall, I don't necessarily Luca have any urgency here to see the bills go out there and address cornerback. I think they're just fine where they're at. I can't wait to
1: not talk one minute in all draft prep about mm-hmm. cornerbacks. I know that is how confident I feel about this room being the room that we will see into the draft. It shouldn't come to a surprise to anyone it's it's a it's an oddly comfortable position to be in with this group um being that the the groups we've had in years past as you tweeted out which surprisingly got a lot of positive feedback with it's the more deep of the groups we've had at corner since you know the mcdermott era began so you should feel decent about where it's at and um don't feel like any assets are needed to bolster this group moving forward. It is what it is. You've already kind of you you already used a blue chip in a first round pick with Kyrie. Elam. You found this beautiful gem in Christian Benford that you can kind of move around at either safety or corner and then You just have everyone else there, Trey White included and then Dane and every like it's all set. It's all set in there for you to just find success in this group moving forward that you don't really need to do anything else. So just don't even entertain the idea. Don't think yourself into needing something. And I don't think the bills would. They should feel pretty good with what they got and just move forward with it.
0: There's just one thing they need to do. One thing. Put Kyrie on the field. That's all I ask. Like, you drafted this kid. He has elite ball skills. He's, he has elite athleticism. I feel myself getting mad. I feel like I'm shouting. Am I shouting? Stokes, put him on the field. How are you feeling about this cornerback group?
2: Yeah, I, I I don't think that they'll spend a lot of time thinking about it at all. I think that maybe if, if it's like round five or six and they're like, well, this guy has a third, fourth round grade on him. I mean, why not just take a flyer on this guy that that would be the only scenario where I would want them to take any sort of um, look at the cornerback position because yeah, as, as Luca mentioned, we got the high end guy, we hit on the, the, the lower um, draft guy. I think that, that that we are in a really good position cornerback wise. And it would be, um, it'd be a real big shock to me if there was um, a lot of assets, Poured into that position.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, there is a saying, you can never have enough cover guys. And, you know, Dane Jackson, one-year deal. Cam, Cam Lewis, one-year deal. Tredavious White does have a contract where if things go poorly, he could be released next year. So I could see in that scenario, Stokes, day three, a guy that they have a day two grade on. Brandon Bean's like, this is too good a value for me to pass up. I'm going to take him. I get it. I wouldn't be upset about it, but I don't think we have to sit there and scout cornerbacks in round one or round two. Safety. What a pleasant surprise it was when we all refreshed Twitter, not expecting to see anything. And it was Ian Rappaport saying that Jordan Poyer was coming back to the Buffalo bills. I said this last week, guys, I had no idea how bad I wanted this until it happened. And that sense of relief came over me. I had no idea how badly I did not want to see Jordan Poyer play in a different uniform. It's almost like I was coping with it and saying all the right things on here. Like, well, he's getting older. He deserves the payday it's probably going to be Miami and and you wish him the best, but it's like, I didn't real your, your emotions are your biggest moments of honesty, how you feel. And when he signed back that relief, I felt I did not expect that. And I, I was so happy. It was like seeing the bills win a game that you just expected them to lose all the way around. And it was such a cool feeling. And I'm so glad that Poyer and Hyde are back. But the question, obviously to uh, our friend, uh, Johnny negative blaze is (laughs) There there is a situation where both of these safeties are a little older, um, and they obviously do have to have an eye on the future. But is that time now to have the eye on the future? Because we've already talked about what are they doing at middle linebacker? They have to add a, a pass catcher somewhere. If they trade for DeAndre Hopkins, they only have six draft picks now. It's probably going to involve a draft pick or two. We talked about tight end. We'd love to see them add to the offensive line. What if they love a running back? There are a lot of things this team still needs to address where. Is it good asset management to spend a pick on a safety who, you know, is not going to start over Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. So at best, it's just somebody to groom underneath them. The Terrell Bernard model basically from last year, or are the bills better off? And I'll start with you Stokes seeing what happens with Christian Benford. Maybe even though we think he's going to stay at corner, maybe he cross trains at safety. What happens with Cam Lewis. Maybe, you know, I thought he looked good in the Vikings game. The one play stands out where he didn't knock the ball down. It it just kind of throws an odor on that entire game. But I thought he looked really good in that game, honestly. And then obviously there's the DeMar. I just said, obviously, like seven times in a row, there's the DeMar Hamlin situation that none of us are qualified to speculate on where that's going, but he's still on the roster. He's still a young player Stokes. We know that you're very high on DeMar Hamlin, obviously what he had shown prior to the injury for sure. Um, I I get the sense that maybe the Bills are just better off just kicking the can down the road on safety, seeing what they have in-house this year, and then if it it looks like they need to address it next year, then worrying about that in the future. What do you
2: think? Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. I think that they're just going to go with, okay, well, we got Poyer and Hyde, so that this is what we got, and maybe they spend a little bit more time trying to get a a couple of the guys acclimated to safety, as as you've mentioned, Um, but I don't think that they that they feel as if it would be worth it um, to put a lot of assets into trying to, to um, plan for in case of emergency, because we want hideout that we want poyer out there. There's no need to spend, you know, uh, $4 million or second round pick on a, on a safety win, when, when in an ideal situation, that player won't touch the field when we need them to. And Luca, as excited as I was when Poyer came back, it probably is nowhere
0: near as excited as you will be that first game that you see 23 back on the field. We know how big of a fan you are. What do you think about this safety group and how they should approach the rest of this offseason? Stokes said
1: it perfectly. Look, you plan for an ideal world and you just need to maybe make sure with the, let's say, sixth, seventh, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, if there's something you worry about when it comes to depth, or someone to provide maybe something and taking a shot on someone like a Christian Benford. And it might work out in depth at a position. That's where you do it. You don't spend a premium asset with depth kind of deal. You want to actually get more production. And these two safeties in an ideal world don't get hurt and are playing every single snap for this defense. So in that in mind, you're not spending a first second or maybe most likely a third on a safety. I will say Best player available, they like the safety so much, and they don't really have anything else in the third round. You know, I talked about that with Edge. If they moved up a little bit, same thing with safety. It, it's best player available. There's always that asterisk there where it's like, hey, we really like this guy, so we're gonna get him. That's the one time you do it. But most likely, as Roy Collins, love you, Roy. But as he says, it's a day three situation. You you get him out there, you know, hopefully he can fill some special teams needs, and then maybe develop under these two guys. And the hope is they don't actually have to play any meaningful snaps at that position due to Hyde and employer playing every single snap. You want 23 and 21 out there at all times. They are so important to this defense and so important to this team that you just can't plan for anything else. You hope to God that that is who is out there
0: every single time and nothing else changes. I'm with you. And guys, things are changing. We are closely going to be changing over to April, which means draft season is upon us. I love it. I love everything about free agency. I loved all the interaction we got on Twitter. I love the shows we did. I love the primer that I had a chance to build. I love the Quick Hits episode. Stoked. Congratulations on getting a new home. You're going to be back Mm -hmm. on Quick Hits with me now that you're all settled in and got the internet situation figured Mm -hmm. out. Congrats to all of us on this show. We've made it a year, guys. Stokes, you you've been kind of our uh, our tag team partner that we tag in whenever one of us is out. We come in for the round table. You know, I don't know if we all expected to be here a year from now where we're at with, with with the reach we've we've already built with being able to interact with so many cool people on a daily basis. It's really cool. We can't thank you all enough for hanging out with us tonight. If you're on YouTube, please 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 like, comment and subscribe. Even if you're negative and you want to tell us how wrong we are, we appreciate that because we know we're wrong. Sometimes we're not perfect and it just helps us out so much with these videos and helps us out all at built in Buffalo to be able to bring you the content that we hope you enjoy. Luca and I will be back next week for another edition of Bill's chat, but this episode is scheduled to release audio on Monday. If news breaks over the weekend that the Bills do trade for DeAndre Hopkins, Luca and I have committed to recording a new episode dedicated to DeAndre Hopkins. But either way, Bills chat, either the audio from this episode or a DeAndre Hopkins has sign with the Bills. Let's celebrate for an hour. We'll be there bright and early in, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it'll be there on YouTube later in the week if you want to see our shining faces talking it all through. Stokes and I will be back on youtube quick hits obviously when the hopkins news happens we'll be on there talking about it almost instantaneously and as draft season approaches and rumors start picking up we'll be on there covering all the draft topics we're breaking down prospects you will not get enough of luca stokes and i we will be in front of your face as long as you're subscribed to built in buffalo youtube we will not be hard to find but for stokes for luca I am Josh McCarty. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We hope you have a great weekend and we will see you next time on Bill's chat.